Holy Hour of Power. This is the Terry and Jesse show. My name is Jesse Romero. I am the Latin lover of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Latin lover of Our Lady, and I am on duty. Terry, what about you? Yes, Terry Barber, the Lebanese lover of Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the Lebanese lover of Our Lady, and I'm on duty. And Jess, I am pumped. I'm so excited. I'll tell you why, Jess, that it's a great time to be a Catholic today. It really is, because oh, look at what we're up against. I mean, just, just yesterday I had uh, three, no, I had four African-American people wanted to have a funeral. I spent about an hour in church with them, teaching them about the Holy Eucharist. They were Christian, but they hadn't been taught anything about the Eucharist. And man, it was awesome. I had to uh, console them about the loss of their their dad that died, and I they had some New Age ideas, and I was able to show them biblically a biblical worldview of death. And they're like, wow, and they're, they're hugging me, you know. Of course, they came in with masks on, and by the time I was done, no mask, they're hugging me. and Because I, I told them, I said, you know, masks, they're foreign, that's not, that's not Christianity. Let me see your face. Take, the, take it off. <laughs> and so uh, what I'm saying is I get excited because, like today, I got another funeral. I, I was telling my brother Jesse, I love doing Catholic radio with my brother Jess, Bishop Strickland, and others, my wife. But I really like the one-on-one evangelization. When people have a loved one that passed away here at Virgin Most Powerful, we're reaching out to 20, 30 funerals a month, reaching Man. out to people. So it's been a real blessing. But just, That's exactly why you're needed in California, Terry. <laughs> I guess I can't no, seriously, every, every soldier of Christ, God places them in a different part of the country for a specific reason. And you'll find out why. Yeah, but it's very obvious why God has you in Southern California. Yeah, well, I'm, I I embrace it because I believe it is God's will. Just yeah. today's show, this is something I've talked to you a couple of days ago, and I really like your article you sent me. Parents with cell phones, how children suffer due to our distracting devices. This is excellent. Another one, who's the original groomer of sexuality? Mm. Well, we're going to find out who that is. Also. Uh, at the end, we're going to talk about Mother Teresa's emergency novena. You won't yeah, a lot of people that. don't know about that. No, it's going to be great. And I got. I, I, I've been doing that every night for the last couple of weeks, by the way. Awesome, Jesse. <laughs> and you know, Jess, we got some good news stories. I got one good news story. Yeah, I got a couple. Go, you go first, and well, I'll go next. Well, you know what, Jesse? I'm going to. Okay, I'll go real quick. The one that I really was blown away by is in Manila, the Archdiocese, this biggest city in the Philippines. They're building a center. For exorcisms. I mean, they've got the construction going on. I see the pictures. I'm reading the article. Just, they get it. They get it. Absolutely, they get it. Yeah, no, and one more good news story. Terry, third world countries seem yeah. to get. They do. Uh, they why why is that? Is that, the reality is that the because we're, they're not as distracted with comfort? Absolutely. Okay. You just nailed it. Because yeah. that's the devil's, one of his weapons is distraction. Yeah. But it's easily to distract people in the. In industrial countries like ours. Yeah, and one more good news story. Our president, <laughs> Joe Biden, has its unelected. unelected Joe Biden has its lowest report on approval ratings of ever any president at this time, much lower than President uh, Trump's report. Now, why is that? Well, think about it. When people have to spend $100 to fill their gas tank, that might make you a very unpopular person. By the way, Terry, I got these little stickers that say uh, Joe Biden did it with his face on it and it and he it's uh he's pointing towards uh the yeah, sky yeah you take those stickers off 
when I put gas, I put them on the gas pumps all around everywhere I go. Truth be, fo- be told, Joe, uh, Jesse, I've been doing that for about two months. And, okay. I, and if anybody wants some of those stickers, I bought a couple hundred of them. And I won't use them all. But the point <laughs> of it is, yeah, give him credit for what he's done. Exactly. Yeah, you can also put them in the supermarket on the refrigerators. You know, put them right there in front of the milk and the meat. Yeah. Those little stickers. You got it. By the way, here's a couple of things I want to I mention. Hear yeah. A new Harvard-Harris poll found voters nearly evenly split on whether the Supreme Court should overturn Roe versus Wade, mm-hmm. the 1973 case that prevented states from protecting unborn children from abortion. The polls show that 49% of Americans support overturning Roe, while 51% oppose. Opposition to overturning Roe has faded by three percentage points since November 2021, and during the same period, support for overturning Roe has increased by three percentage points. You have to realize this comes from Harvard, so this may not be an accurate study. Next, CNN analysts predicts big GOP win. CNN's Harry Enten is forecasting that Republicans will re- will win so many House seats in the November elections Mid-term. that the GOP will be in the its best position in over 80 years. I hope he's Next, right. lawmaker responds to drag kids event. Oh, yeah. Yep. Texas Republican State Representative Brian Slayton on Monday announced that he will be introducing legislation to protect children from being sexualized by drag shows. Good. The events of this past week and over in Dallas, Texas, were horrifying and show a disturbing trend in which perverted adults are obsessed with sexualizing young children. Uh, Brian uh, Slayton said he responded to a drag the kids to pride party that took place Saturday at a gay bar in Dallas. And finally, a new Harvard-Harris poll on abortion. Found, uh, once again, okay, I already shared that one. Yeah. Yes, go I ahead. got one more good one. This is really good. The Bishop of Fresno, California, came out with a three-page document supporting Archbishop Cordelion's position that no politician who's for killing unborn babies should be receiving Holy Communion. And his document's on his letterhead, and it's an open letter to priests, deacons, seminarians, the faithful, the diocese of Fresno. That's not a little diocese. I am so proud of him that he would come out and say, I need to support. I believe I was on, um, what was I on yesterday? Uh, Newsmax. Newsmax. And they asked me that question. And I said about the the Denver Archbishop and all the bishops in Colorado coming out supporting Archbishop Cordelion. And I said, yeah, I think it's going to help more and more. Uh, bishops to say, hey, we, you know, it's time to step up and not be a coward and let's speak up on this. So uh, anyhow, I think it's good news that the large diocese of Fresno is supporting San Francisco's ban. I'll call it a ban. Yeah, it's a ban. You can't receive communion in objective mortal sin. That's right. Hey, a little bit of soul food, Terry. I love it, Jim. Matthew chapter 5, verse 20 to let's 26. Do let's do it. Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you, Unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to your ancestors, you shall not kill, and whoever kills will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, will be answerable to the Sanhedrin. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to fiery Gehenna. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar 
and there recall that your brother has anything against you, leave your gift there at the altar, go first and be reconciled with your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Settle with your opponent quickly while on the way to court with him. Otherwise, your opponent will hand you over to the judge, and the judge will hand you over to the guard, and you'll be thrown into prison. Amen. Amen. Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Two things I want to mention mm -hmm. uh, regarding this gospel. were uh, Notice where it says that if you bring your gift to the altar and you recall that your brother has anything against you, yeah. leave your gift and go and reconcile with your brother. Mm -hmm. In other words, in Psalm 32, it says, when I did not confess my sin, my body wasted away. When you go and start receiving sacrilegious communions, yep. it can even have an effect on your physical body, according to Psalm 32. Incredible. We also know that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says the same thing. Mm -hmm. It says that if you, you have to be in a worthy state, yeah. a worthy manner, to receive holy communion. And if you're not in a worthy manner, you eat and drink to your own condemnation. Yep. Now there it's talking about spiritual condemnation. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says that if you receive communion in mortal sin, you're receiving spiritual condemnation. And Psalm 32 says that if you're receiving in mortal sin, you also receive physical bodily condemnation. I hope Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi are listening. Secondly, at the very end of the, today's gospel, it says, otherwise your opponent will hand you over to the judge and the judge will hand you over to the guard and you will be thrown into prison. That's a reference to purgatory. Purgatory is a temporal dimension in the afterlife where the person is purified before they enter into the presence of God. Terry, take it away. Well said. Let's bring in Fulton Sheen. The smartest guy. Full sheen ahead. And don't forget what Jess just said. Never worry about who will be offended if you speak the truth. Worry about who will be misled, deceived, and destroyed if you don't tell the truth. All right, here's what Sheen says real quick about modern man is uncertain of his destiny. That's true. He is always afraid of being thrown back into the nothingness from which he came. The result is dread. <clears throat> Much of the modern culture is directed to suppression of the dread. Sleeping tablets, opiates, consistent search for pleasure. Hey, that's what we're going to talk about later in the show. All these are attempts to suppress the awful gnawing dread of nothingness. So when man doesn't know his meaning and purpose of life, he seeks whatever will be pleasurable. And this is going to be tying it right into one of our topics today in regards to the original groomer. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Jess and I are two evangelical Catholics with PhDs in common sense. Mm -hmm. Folks, common sense ain't that common. When we come back, we're going to talk about some common sense about cell phones and how it affects your children and much, much more here on the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. 
there's two men's conferences that I'm participating this Saturday, <laughs> next Saturday. Next Saturday, I'm going to be with Terry over at the Sacred That's Heart right. Chapel. Mark your calendars. That's next Saturday, June 18th at the Sacred Heart Chapel. We'll be doing some power preaching with Devil Destroying Theology. Myself, Terry, and Ruben Nava. That's next Saturday at the Sacred Heart Chapel, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. I hope to see you there. This Saturday, I'm going to be in the desert in Mesa, Arizona, and for Vertucho Farms. From 7 p.m. to 11 p.m., we're going to have a bonfire. We're expecting awesome. about 200 men. I'm going to be doing some power preaching around a bonfire. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> gonna, yeah, I can I'm going to be talking about uh, paragraph 407 of the Catechism, how the devil goes after us through politics, education, morality, and social action. We'll have a, we'll have a discussion to follow. There's going to be food and fellowship. Bring your rosaries. And uh, Terry, the next topic is parents. That's right. Got to watch your cell phone. Let's hit it, Jess. Children are suffering yes, they due are. to our distracting devices. Right. Did you know that? Absolutely. The author of the article, T.J. Burdick, says, when my children were just entering school age, I was concerned about how often I was using my phone in front of them. My children tend to be brutally honest. So I sat them down and asked them, kids, what do you think daddy likes doing the most? I was fully anticipating their answer to be, you like your phone a lot, poppy. But that wasn't the answer I received. Instead, I got something I wasn't expecting, an epiphany. As I waited for my children to answer my question, a mountain of pride came crumbling down into a pool of retrospective ref reflection. I began to realize the effects of my screen usage around my kids. While their tiny noggins noodled the response in what lasted no more than a couple of seconds, I was lost in a decade of thought on what could be the, the effects of my tech overuse. Oh. Terry. Well, very well, because Jesse, research has shown this, that the first moments of a baby's life are critical to their psychological development. From birth to age two, their brains are learning how to react to the stimuli of all sorts. And as a result, their motor skills, depth perception, especially their linguistic ability to start developing an incredible rate. I've seen that with my grandson. On top of that, their sense of belonging is also fortified by the constant contact from their parents' hugs and snuggles and kisses. And let's be honest with you, that phone can become more important than your son or your daughter. And they pick up on that. They, they really do. Just the article didn't say it, but a good friend of mine, Dr. Oh, I won't even say who it was, but it's a good friend of mine. He said, you know, it would be a good thing to do. And I have not done this, Jesse, but I should. When you come over to the barbers, we go, hey, everybody, see that little um, little, car little area there? You set your phones there. We're going to have a conversation. Wow. Yeah, That's the guy told idea. me you do that because what will happen is people will actually see you face-to-face, eyeball-to-eyeball, and you really just take the phone out of the equation. And I know that um, this article, and it'll be on our show page at jesseromero.com or vmpr.org, it's going to show you that the, the cell phone is really a distraction, and they get it. They think that maybe that phone's more important than me. Hmm. Go ahead, Jess. The author says, having a newborn is exhausting and at times kind of boring. Yep. Many parents have tried to cure their boredom by talking to their phones while they raise their babies. Yep. Their attention is distracted 
And as a result, they are less talkative to their kids. That's a fact. They might hold them and help them physically maneuver their surroundings, but they tend to be silent as they focus their mind and energy on their screens instead of their kiddos. Mm -hmm. As a result, their children learn to speak less and observe more. Many of these babies have speech development problems due to their parents' lack of linguistic interaction. So true. Research backs this up. Dr. Jenny Radeski, mm -hmm. a child behavior expert and pediatrician at the University of Michigan, Mott's Children's Hospital, conducted a study with colleagues from Boston Medical Center, and they found that parent mobile device use is associated with fewer verbal and nonverbal interactions with children. We all lack empathy. One research group decided to see if the use of devices on a regular basis would affect the abilities of adolescents to read facial expressions and body language this in strangers. Is fascinating here. Yep. To do this, they invited several teens who claimed to use their screens more often than others to participate in a week-long summer camp experience. They split this group into two and prior to leaving, had them look at pictures of strangers of who were asked to say in what mood they were based, <laughs> they were in based on their facial expressions and gestures. This was done to measure their ability to empathize with strangers, to deduce if they were sad, angry, hungry, etc. The answers were recorded and off they went to camp. <laughs> the two groups participated in the same excursions, activities, and the like with two differences. They went only weeks apart, and one group was allowed to bring their devices while the other group was not. That meant that for one week, one group of students would be allowed to communicate with others face-to-face, -face, while the other group could access their social media, texts, and other digital means of communication throughout their time at camp. Once they arrived back, they were given the same empathy tests from prior to leaving for camp. The group who was able to use their technology scored slightly higher. But the group who did not use their devices for a week scored 20% higher than before. They had gotten a digital detox, and as a result of more real-life interactions, they were more able to recognize the emotions in others. When we're attached to our screens, we're, we're unable to focus our attention on the needs of others. Our willpower is kidnapped by our devices and our ability to detach from them gives us more reasons to look inward for our sense of belonging and not outward. Seeking out the needs of others is natural. Communities since the beginning of time have forged relationships with one another through empathy, not only for their psychological well-being, but for their survival. With cell phones in our hands, we see only bits and pieces of others while we completely ignore those who are within a stone's throw away of our presence. It's a dangerous circle that results in our inability to relate with others. Terry? Well, the next topic is stress levels soar, but let me just mention something 
that has worked as an old guy here now. I have a grandson that I read to on a regular basis, and I've noticed that his verbal skills are extremely advanced for a two-year-old. I mean, he carries on conversations. I mean, we we try not to give him regular uh, cow milk. We we mix it with almond milk. And, you know, the doctor said, do that. Uh, he'll never know the difference. And uh, just the last week, he turns to uh, my wife and says, Grandma, this isn't regular milk. This is mixed with almond milk. Mm. He's two years old. See, here's the point. Well, how did he get so smart on this? It wasn't watching cell phone videos. It wasn't watching YouTube videos. It was, in my opinion, interacting and reading with him and asking questions about the little classic stories that you read children stories. And it's so important. Lives of the Saints. This is the stuff that you're building on when they're just really young and it will stay with them forever. All right. Stress levels soar. All of the aforementioned effects of cell phone use in the presence of our children can lead to overarching problems of stress. When we, distress, when we distract our minds from the realities at hand, we tend to play catch-up in every other aspect of our lives. Since we've chosen to waste our time playing games or scrolling through social media, our lives become unbalanced and our responsibilities are ignored. As a result, we have to do more with less time and we drive ourselves crazy. This person's got a thumb on the culture, Jesse. That's mm. exactly what's happening. Yep. And it's attempting to complete our daily tasks. We stay up later, wake up earlier, skip meals, cancel appointments, sacrifice time with our loved ones so we can keep our heads afloat in the ocean of life. Now, Jess, mm. this is a, a, a study, but I want to just mention something that I have found from experience, that when we have a disciplined life and we get up at the same time, we do the same things every day, this gives you great comfort. So, for example, you know, when my grandson's with us, I always get up early to pray before the day starts because once it starts, he's a terror. I mean, he's going to run all over the place. Yeah. And so I would recommend for all of us to have a disciplined, scheduled life so that you don't even have the opportunity to go watch YouTube videos or go online and just, you know, have a good time there. So I, I, that's the point I'm making. But according to the article published in LiveScience.com, author J.P. Manny states, there's too much information for us to take in. Jesse, we've been saying that for a mm. long time, bro. We're overwhelmed with data. Our brains can't handle the barrage of emotional drain stories. Tell us. And this leads to a negation of suppression of emotion. Mother Angelica said this back in the 1980s. I can hear her saying it. She said, you know, we hear all, we have way too much to have to, to candle. Or we weren't built to know about every little tragedy that's taking place around the world. So anyhow, Jess, I just... Yeah, I like, I like the way it says. It says... Yes, hit me. Uh, it says, the natural response is to shut down our compassion... Exactly. ...because we're emotionally exhausted. It's And again, this is a, a, a scientist talking about the fact that the human person wasn't meant to take so much information, right. so much data. It's not normal. Nope. Because what happens, the article says, is they start suppressing emp the, the, the emotion of empathy. You, you start altering your em empathetic feelings for other people. And again, if uh, what kind of person do you want your child to be when they're older? Exactly. What do you want them to do with their, with their time? Read good books, write their own, you know, yeah, write stories, even. enjoy yeah. and appreciate the beauty of nature, stay physically fit, pray. Sure. Or do you want them to watch TV and spend endless hours on their iPhone? Be cautious yep. 
of how often you pull out your phone in the presence of your kids because they learn from you. When I asked my kids, says the author of the article, what they thought their daddy liked doing the most, <laughs> I expected they would put the nail in my digital coffin and say, Daddy, <laughs> you sure like being on your phone. I was wrong. They said, Daddy, you like mommy snuggling with us? And I love writing. it. I love Those it. Those are your favorite That's things. Beautiful. So this father, T.J. Burdick, he got it. Uh, he's, he's got it. He's, do, he's yeah. doing the right thing. Yeah, and he's also an author of books. You can just look him up. Um, you know, uh, when he's not spending time with his family, he's writing books and he's teaching courses on the Catholic faith. So I just think these are the kind of guys we need to learn from. Yeah. Je Jesse, you have had experience with your grandchildren and working with them. Wouldn't you agree that reading is really critical for you to read to your kids? And Absolutely, your Terry. I, I, uh, I try to read to them as often as possible, awesome. just like you. Yep. Stories from the Bible, yep. the lives of the saints, exactly. things that really matter. Yep. Hey, when we come back, we're going to shift gears. Who is the original groomer on sexuality? Yes. It's uh, he is he's dead, but his his message has been living on in our culture, unfortunately. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. The term grooming has gone mainstream. Yep. And of course, leftists who have little to no wit or sense of humor are not trying to use a term for things that do not pertain to the condition of children to adopt LGBT lifestyles. You got feminists like Joy Behar, you know, the screaming lady from The View. Yep. Oh, wait, wait a minute. They all scream. Okay. Uh, recently, she claimed that gun manufacturers are grooming kids to love guns. I wonder if kids will love guns as much as security guards at her TV studio or at the entrance of her gated community, <laughs> you know, if they, as much as they love guns as well. Yeah. At any rate, she brings up a good point, even if by accident. Grooming is not just about the LGBT ideology. It can happen in other ways. Ultimately, to groom someone is to condition them into, part, into a particular skill set or mindset. Thus, we might say he is, he, he is grooming his successor or he was well-groomed by that school. But those terms today... They're, they're icky to us. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because of what we're going to talk about. Exactly. But the ickiness has to do with the purpose of the grooming rather than the process of grooming itself. Yep. Long before corporate America and the public school system were grooming children into adopting a rainbow way of life, Hugh Hefner was grooming generations yep. into fornication and sexual debauchery. Terry, you Hefner. Tell, yeah, tell us the history because, Jesse, you've got this down because some of our younger uh, listeners might not know who he is. Hugh Hefner was a pioneer of pornography. He, he opened up Playboy in 1955. Mm -hmm. This is before the 60s revolution. Yep. So he, he's the one that kind of gave fuel to the 60s right. mobs with Playboy back in 1955. And pornography, which is what he's basically been promoting since 1955 he's dead now he's gone to his eternal reward <clears throat> yeah <laughs> pornography is the cancer of our times and it's the only antidote that is is pleading god's grace to deliver you from this from this perverted demon 
and pleading God's mercy and healing power to properly order your passions and appetites. Since the death of this man, Hugh Hefner, he's got a bunch of other copycats, you know, Larry Flint and Bob Guccione and all kinds of other copycats. These men, but starting from Hugh Hefner, they have damned millions of souls, most likely to hell. But the not so shocking truth about Hugh Hefner's he was he was basically Harvey Weinstein back in the 60s. Exactly. And his lifestyle has been unearthed. It was common for his smut rag to find young girls who were not 18 and do photo shoots with them before it was legal to publish. Yep. Only to release the images when when the age of 18 was reached. But it wasn't as if the girls just happened to stumble upon the you know, diabolical scene of the Playboy Mansion. Yep. They were sought after by Hugh Hefner and by his employees. They were influenced. They were encouraged. They were psychologically manipulated because they were underage Amen. and they were groomed. And although Hugh Hefner is heralded as some sort of liberator of sexual repression, he was nothing more than a predator, a slave master, a monster, a moral monster who viewed women as objects to be exploited and men as useful idiots who desired to exploit women and could be exploited for ideological reasons. It is my opinion that he's one of the most wicked men in the 20th century. And he will have a particularly special place in hell for the cancer he's unleashed upon the earth. Terry? And Jesse, beyond the materialistic pursuits of the Playboy endeavor was a deeper ideological pursuit. Hugh Hefner spoke at times about his dislike of organized religion. Did you know that specifically Christianity in particular? He was raised in a puritanical home. Thus, he presented his licentious lifestyle as a correction to his unnatural repression. See, he went to one extreme to the other. He, yeah, w- he was he was raised as a young Protestant Christian yeah. that told him he has to temper his appetites, and he yeah. didn't want to. Yep, no, he didn't want any of that. Nope. He wanted to change the way the world felt about sexual activity, and he did it. Jesse, he is the one guy who made so many people, because he was a disciple of, who's this, Alfred Kinsey? Oh, my gosh. He's a man who might be one of the most detestable monsters of the 20th century, and that is saying something like, Hefner boasted of being Kenzie's pamphleteer. He championed Kenzie's work as a way of convincing, are you ready, young virginal women to fornicate, commit mortal sin by explaining how having sex is fashionable and natural to do. Losing their virginity will seem unimportant compared to the fear of being different. See, the pressure he put on, and again, this is what, we, and I, I tie this back into contraception, Jess. At that same time in the 60s, he's putting, you know, this sexual libaciousness out. The church is saying, no, uh, sex is between a man and a woman, and it's uh, for husband and wife only, and that there's a procreative aspect and a unitive aspect. And the world with Hefner and Kenzie, they're saying, no, no, don't believe that. Have recreational sex. And he's the guy that has convinced decade after decade people thinking, that sex is just because of I, you know, I want to have pleasure, and it's and they've lost, you know, they they're losing souls. How many how many tens of millions of people who have bought into this over the last fifty years that have had to have their judgment 
seat. And the question of came up on pornography, and they they were they bought it. And you know this is why we need to stop it now. El- Alfred Kenzie was a scientist. He was a biologist, a professor. Yep. And he also called himself a sexologist. Yeah, believe it or not. He's the one that founded the institute. It's called Sex Research at Indiana University. Mm -hmm. And again, he's best known for writing about sexual behavior in the human male. So Alfred Kinsey was the brains behind pornography and the sexual revolution. Oh, my God. But Hugh Hefner was the money. Well said. He was the businessman behind Alfred Kinsey's pseudoscience or false science or junk science. And so essentially uh you could say that Hugh Hefner was Alfred Kinsey's altar boy exactly he's the one that right. he's the one that promoted everything that Kinsey wrote in his uh scientific research and he basically used science to promote sexual immorality everything that the bible condemns yeah, he was a- Alfred Alfred Kinsey tried to give a scientific argument saying this is normal and this is what every human being should be doing and whether Jesse, whether he realized it or not, Hefner, Kinsey, they were doing the work of the devil. Absolutely. Yeah. And it reminds me, Terry, that uh, servant of God, Father John Harden, he said this. Yeah. Nothing blinds the intellect yes. more than sexual moral That's sin. That's right. That's nothing. Right. Nothing. And Father Gabriel Amorth, rest in peace, Rome's exorcist for 29 years. Mm-hmm. He says, the devil will try every trick to force man's body to become an occasion of sin. Let me repeat that again. Father Amorth, rest in peace. The devil will try every trick to force man's body to become an occasion of sin. Oh, well said. And you know who else said about about sins of the flesh? Our Lady of Fatima in 1917, she said... More souls are going to hell because of sins of the flesh. Can you imagine that was 1917 before all of this? It's even more now. Yeah, it says here, the article at the end, it says, every man was given a younger man a stash, a, a, a stash of smut, that's pornography, Yep, is not qualitatively different than Hugh Hefner that's right. or Alfred Kinsey. Carrying it on. Sure, the degree of evil perpetuated varies from person to person, but the fact remains that just as Hefner did what he could do to sexualize children, so too has every uncle who gave a nephew a chest full of images sufficient to damn his soul. Jesse, back up for a minute, because this is one, probably you've had the same experience. Yeah. A lot of my friends who come to me for counseling. They, this is the biggest problem. Yeah, but they got it because of their dad. Can you imagine? Dads or uncles. Our uncles. Somebody older in the th- family. Exactly. Leading them into this sin. And I'll tell you, that that just blew me away when they would consistently say that. That's why, you know, the way the family goes is the way the culture yeah. goes. But, Let me give some tools. Give them some. To break this. Yeah, do okay? it, yes. Father, uh, I, I B- Bishop Hugh Doyle says this. Yeah, tell me. No one can live continually in sin yeah. and continues to say the rosary. Either they will give up their particular sin That's right. or they will give up the rosary. Yep. But they can't do both in one day. Here's the way Father Ripperger says to... You, you should utilize the rosary to break pornography. Okay. He says, pray the rosary daily and meditate specifically on a bloody crucifix of Jesus for the entire time that you're praying the rosary. 
He says, pray only the sorrowful mysteries for 90 days. Wow. Why 90? Once you do something habitually for 90 days, it establishes a pattern in, a, in your brain and it becomes a good habit or a bad habit. That's why you have, if you have amongst Catholic men a program called Exodus 90. That's right. Doctors have figured this out. It takes 90 days to remap your brain to do a good thing or a bad thing. And you also have amongst, you know, young fitness buffs like my kids, they do a thing called P90X. It's 90 days of working out and it becomes habitual, habituated. So Father Ripperger says, pray for 90 days, the sorrowful mysteries only, and look at a bloody picture of Jesus on the internet from the Passion of the Christ the entire time you're praying the rosary. Lock your eyes on the bloody corpse of Jesus Christ. Stare at his five bloody wounds as you're praying the rosary. This is how St. Mary Magdalene, who was a prostitute and possessed by seven demons, this is how she was liberated by Jesus. When she fell down on her knees before him as a sign of humility, and she cried, that's a sign of deep con contrition, and she began staring at his feet and washing them with her hair, a sign of adoration. Awesome. This is how she was delivered from the seven demons of fornication. Father Ripperger says, stare at the bloody feet of Jesus on a crucifix or on the internet the entire time you're praying the sorrowful mysteries for 90 days and you'll break pornography. Great advice. When we come back, we're going to shift gears to a Mother Teresa emergency novena. Stay with us, family, here on Virgin Most Powerful. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Terry and Jesse Show, we're back. Let me just mention one last thing about the last segment that we talked about. Important, it's very Jesse, important. Very important. Because this is, uh, this is a problem that many men, this is the demon that attacks many men. And it's the... Uh, one of the biggest problems right now for for men, not only Catholic men, and marriages. So Father Ripperger, he also says, again, this is why it's important to, to for, form a prayer life. Yes. You have to. Father Ripperger says there's no way you're going to break this without a, a dedicated prayer life. That's right. And here's what here's what he would recommend. As a top exorcist in the world, here's what he recommends. Okay, mm -hmm. he recommends that any man who has a bad habit or yeah. woman that yeah. has a bad habit, sure, they enter into a monastic discipline, a yep. monastic prayer life. Right. In other words, you need to bring order into your life, and order comes through prayer. Right. So Father recommends, as a good guide. I mean, you, you could use other times, but here's the guide that he uses. Yeah. For his for his directees. Right. Pray at six a.m., twelve noon, and six p.m. Yes. That's what he recommends. He says if you order your prayer life around those times, you're joining yourself with the communal prayer of the church militant, and the church triumphant, and the church suffering. Yep around the world yep. because that's when most people that are serious Catholics in the church militant on earth, that's when they pray abbeys, monasteries, convents, six noon, 6 PM. And when you, and when you order your life or see, here's too many Catholics. They want to order 
a prayer around their life. Wrong. You have to order your life around prayer. Amen. If you're trying to order prayer around, okay, I'll squeeze it in at uh, 8.15 for two minutes. I'll squeeze it in at 1.20 for three minutes. If you're trying to squeeze or fit prayer into your life, you're never going to break any bad habits. You have to order your life around prayer and stick to it. Why? When you start praying, when you start praying with, with a disciplined lifestyle, yes. six, 12, six, you're going to start flooding yourself with God's grace. Prayer is going to flood your soul with God's grace. What's that? What's going to happen? It's going to perfect the metanoia that you once experienced. Prayer perfects the metanoia and prayer, it snaps your lower faculties your passions and appetites back into order and prayer restores moral clarity to the person. Terry. Yeah, Jesse, I'm going to put that in application. We live in a world right now with these cell phones. We just talked about them. How many times I get something from some knucklehead trying to get me hooked on pornography. There's a mm -hmm. text that comes in. It says, open this thing up. You will not have the, uh, Discipline. Discipline. That's it. To say no to that unless you're praying. Man, I hear this all the time. I, Terry, they're constantly sending me links to pornography. I say, and I'm constantly opening them. Yes. And say, well, dude, that's because you don't have a disciplined life. And I tell them that just what you just said about the prayer life. I mean, how can I just say, uh-huh. You know what I say, Jesse? I hail Mary for whoever sent that to me. And I delete it. And I say, thank you, Jesus. Because here's the point. This is so easy. We can go to the grocery store and we see pornography. We go everywhere. Yeah. Drive the streets of L.A. You see it all the time. And this is the only way you're going to have it is if you have a disciplined life and, mm -hmm. a, and also a prayer life that Jesse just talked about that Father Ripperger said. Because on the natural level, Jess, our concupiscence says, open it up. Yes. That's all yeah. I have to say. Terry, and you and, and, you and me, let's just be honest. Yeah. We have big targets on our back. Oh, you think? Okay. Because of what we do. You know, the devil hates the fact that you and me open up this thing called Virgin Most Powerful. <laughs> the devil thought that you and me were going to throw in the white flag surrender when we got uh, booted out of Catholic radio. Yeah. And we were just going to go fishing for the rest of our life and, <laughs> yeah, uh, right. and playing golf. And we didn't. Nope. We said we're going to start an internet radio station. That's right. And we did. And so we got big targets on our back, Terry, because there's a lot of people that are being touched with VMPR. <laughs> And, and which takes us to the next topic. Yeah, that's it. Hit it. St. Mother Teresa. Yes. And by the way, I've been using this every day for the last couple of weeks. Awesome, Jess. Uh, it's called the Emergency Novena. Most people don't know about this. So first of all, I'll just make it simple. What is a novena? Mm -hmm. It comes from the Latin word novum, which means nine. So a novena <clears throat> means to pray for nine days. Right. Now, where does that come from? That's the tradition, the sacred tradition of the church, that when the apostles and Our Lady were in the upper room in Jerusalem, they began praying for the Holy Spirit. They prayed for nine days, and on the tenth day, the Holy Spirit came upon them in the upper room in Jerusalem. The twelve apostles, Our Lady, and also 120 disciples that the Bible mentions in the book of Acts, they also were there 
and the Holy Spirit fell upon them. So the tradition of the Catholic Church based on that event, whenever we want to enlist God's help, assistance, supplication, whenever we want to ask a favor from our Heavenly Father, we will pray for a novena nine days straight for the particular intention. And this generally prayed on the rosary. It's the, You pray the novena, mm -hmm. offering the intention for nine days, praying a rosary. Well, same Mother Teresa, she came up with what's called the emergency novena. <laughs> Let's just say you're going to meet, I don't know, the president of some important country. Yeah. And you're outside in the hallway and you don't know, man, what am I going to say? I'm going to be representing the Catholic Church in front of this very important person. What do I say? You feel intimidated. <laughs> she came up with what's called the emergency novena, where you pray nine memoraries immediately, and then you pay a tenth memorari in thanksgiving for the graces that you've received. Now, St. Mother Teresa, she says it's never failed her. She said she used this emergency novena throughout the course of her life, yep. even when she was going through the dark night of the soul. And she said that when she would ask God's favor for something and would do the, the, the nine memoraries and the 10th one for Thanksgiving, she said God always answered her prayer in some way, shape, or form. Well said. And Jesse, even I think the article talks about nine days or even nine minutes. So the number nine is, is, is very important in this novena. And I would just say this, Jess, so many people are hungry right now and looking for devotion. They really are. And novenas are a great Catholic devotion to embrace, whether it's the Sacred Heart Novena, uh, the Immaculate Heart Novena, all these novenas, there's tons of them if you look on the internet that are available to all of us. But the bottom line is, you know, question Jesse, why pray? Well, why breathe? Okay? If we're not praying, we're dead to uh, we're we're dead in the sense of a supernatural life. Because the saints say the one who Saint Alphonsus Liguori said the person who prays is saved. The one that doesn't pray is not saved. It's as simple yes. as that, Jess. And and Saint Padre Pio actually said what you just said right before. He said prayer is the oxygen yeah. to the soul. That's right. Think about that. Terry said, "Why breathe?" Well, because you want you want oxygen in your lungs. Well, Saint Padre Pio said prayer is the equivalent of oxygen to That's your right. soul. That's right. So if you want your soul to to remain in a state of grace and to continue to receive the grace of God, His assistance, His help in this lifetime, you need to pray. I heard somebody say one day that the Rosary is God's. Uh, it's 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 oxygen. it's it's our umbilical cord to God. I've heard Mary. the same thing. Yeah. It's, it's the oxygen of prayer, the rosary, all of that. Jesse, I just want to remind everybody, Monday, both of us are going to be gone. I'm going to be out. Oh, but you got a great show, Terry. Yeah, I do. Oh, I, I can't I, wait to hear yeah. it. Father Charles Murr, his 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 new latest book on Freemasonry, but he's going to say something on Monday's show that I won't tell you now because I want you to hear it. Teaser. But he's calling something uh, to the Holy See that no one has ever called on. It's a document that he actually participated in putting together. Uh, and so this is an incredible show. Monday, tell your friends, uh, Father Charles Murr, on the issue of Freemasonry and how it's infiltrated the Catholic Church. Jesse, uh, I want to ask one more time, give us a plug. You're going to be at a, at a this weekend 
in the high in the uh, desert preaching. And, yeah, yeah. Tell us again. This is great. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that, that, I'm gonna like do, be camp? doing some power preaching in Mesa, Arizona, at Vertucio Farms. Yeah. Uh, if you want information, go to my website. It's on the front page. The flyers there. It's going to be from 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. So it's going to be in the awesome. evening. Awesome. There's going to be some priests there listening to confessions. Awesome. We're going to have a big old bonfire. We're going to have food, fellowship, <laughs> bring a rosary. We're going to pray the rosary around the bonfire. We got about 200 it. guys last year. We're expecting about 200 again this year. I will be doing some power preaching on the way the devil influences us through politics, education, morality, and social action. Then giving you some action items. What we can do as Catholic men to fight back, awesome. to resist. Awesome. And there will be a discussion to follow. And it's just a great place to meet other good Catholic men from the Diocese of Phoenix that are serious Catholics and want to get to heaven. Awesome. And I will say this, that we talked about prayer. We talked about the sacraments. You know, we haven't said this in a while, but I'm going to say it now. These um, king, uh, We're going to talk about the five stones of, of David in the sense of we need to overcome sin by confession by our prayer life, our Eucharistic adoration, uh, our, our praying of the rosary. Uh, we need to be in tune with our faith because these are days when we're going to have to be defending our faith, possibly even as of next week when the Roe versus Wade thing goes down. Homeland Security told us, Catholic bishops, there's threats to our churches. We're, we're going to be prepared to defend our churches because you know why? We stand for life. And that's what we do here at Virgin Most Powerful. So be prepared the other to have stands persecution. For death. Yes, exactly. Either life or death. But you know what? Don't be lukewarm. Nope. Yes. You're, if you're lukewarm, Jesus Christ will spit you that's out what the Bible of his says. mouth. And remember this. The first pope told us, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And pray Psalm 69, verse 2 throughout the day. God, come to my assistance. Lord, make haste to help me. Amen. Say that throughout the day. God, come to my assistance. Lord, make haste to help me. Terry. And, and never worry about who will be offended if you speak the truth. Worry about who will be misled, deceived, and destroyed if you don't speak the truth. And remember Our Lady of Fatima said, Souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make reparation for them. We need reparation more than ever. Will you join us in this here at Virgin Most Powerful? I hope you say yes. I want to thank you for the, your, those who support us. Because four years ago, we started this, and it's growing. And I thank you. And again, we've got a great show with Dr. Sandoval coming up right after this here at vmpr.org. Pick up our free app. May God richly bless you and your family.